How are you doing this morning? You doing all right? All right, so we're going to jump in. We're in chapter 3 of uh, the letter in the New Testament called Philippians, and it's a letter that Paul wrote. Paul was one of the very first Christians, and he started a lot of different churches on his journeys. And as he started these churches, he realized people like us have all kinds of questions about how do we live life in this world that we live in? How do we live life, and how does faith make a difference in our daily life? How do these things, life and faith, how does it come together? Does that make sense? So Paul's writing these letters that are very practical and applicable uh, a couple thousand years ago when he wrote them. But what's so interesting to me is if we pay attention and read these letters, um, we, we find that it's very practical and applicable to our lives too. And I hope you've been finding that to be true, especially from this book, Philippians. It's, well, you're going to see today, when I, when I get to the end of today, you're either going to be mad or you're going like, to be like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe how much this can be applied to our current situation literally today, okay? So that's where, I, that's where we're going. I'm excited about today. Are you with me? Here we go. So last week, we were talking about Philippians, and uh, in chapter 2, he talked a lot about you know, we should have the same attitude. So he's talking about our minds, the spirit that we bring to different pieces of our life. We should have the same attitude of, of Jesus, that, that Christ Jesus had, which was one of humility and, and servanthood. Like Jesus, his, he didn't come to be served, but rather to serve others. And Paul is saying the best way to live life is not to try to control other people or have other people serve you, but the best way to live life is actually to give your life away, to, to, to serve others in humility. It, very applicable and practicable, practic, practical to, to us today, this idea of humility and the need for humility in, in the world. And he talked about bringing light to others. So that's what Paul was talking about last week in chapter 2. And then what's, what's interesting is in chapter 3, which we're going to focus on today, he gets to some really basics, so there's going to be some basics today. Some of you who have been a part of the church and around Christianity for a long time, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I've been there, done that, I get it, I know it. But it's, it's so important to come back to it again and again and remind ourselves of some basics. And, and he says this in, in, in chapter 3. He says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us, and we put no confidence in human effort. It's a basic of the faith. The idea that our, as, as Christians, our, our foundation is not in our own ability, and it's not in our own, uh, the, the ways that we can perform or achieve something, our, our confidence is in what Christ Jesus has done. Now, if you've been around Christianity for a long time, you're like, yeah, this is like the most basic of Christianity. But here's the deal. The gravitational pull, the longer we are Christians, the more we tend to act as though it's our actions that put us in right standing with God. And not only do we act in that way, we begin to transfer that principle to how we believe other people should act. And we begin to judge and place people in certain positions based on their actions, not on their faith. Are you here? Are you with me? 
So the gravitational pull over time is to expect of ourselves and others behaviors that earn certain statuses with God. We, we just put people on different levels based on that. And so just as a, as a starting point for today, don't miss this. Um, we are not Christians because of what we do. We are Christians because of what Christ has done, period. You're not a Christian because what you do. I'm not a Christian because what I can achieve, how I perform. I'm a Christian. I am in right standing with God 100%. This is the good news because this is for everyone. 100% because of what Christ Jesus accomplished on the cross and in overcoming death through the empty grave. That's it. That's where our confidence is. It's 100% on what has been accomplished 2,000 years ago with Christ Jesus. So that's foundational, all right? I just want to make sure we're all in alignment here. And if you're someone who you're not sure what you believe about God and, and you're not sure about Jesus and who he was, I just want you to hear this, that the good news of the gospel, uh, the good news of Christianity is not if you can get your life in order, then God will accept you into his family or into heaven or whatever maybe you've heard or understood or thought at one point. The good news of the gospel is by faith, you can be in God's family and it has nothing to do with how you have behaved in your life. That's good news. Like you should smile this morning based on the fact that God accepts you because of what Christ Jesus did not because of what you did. That's so good. Like that's why they call it in the Old Testament, and, I mean in the New Testament and, and in, in our lives together, that's why they call it good news. Now, I'm gonna ask you a, a little bit of a rough question and uh, I want you to be really honest. You can't do this out loud, none of us would anyway. But I want you to think about what you have believed in your life has given you um, your identity like who you are. Now, we all have been given names. My last name is Anderson, which was given to me uh, by my parents. Um, legally, you know, that, that's how it happens. And the Anderson name is a Scottish name. I believe Northern England and Scotland was kind of where my family started from. And so I could think about my identity in terms of like ancestry.com and I can go on there and look at a lot of different things. Um, but what's interesting in life is we begin to place our identity in what we've achieved or what we are achieving or what we're doing. And so I've got a list for you if you're having a hard time thinking about identity. Where do you find your identity? Um, and again, don't answer this out loud as if you would anyway. Some of us, we begin to form our, our, our identity based on our success or our accomplishments. The, the, the things that we've been able to do in life, that begins to give us some identity. And one of the ways we can figure out where we have our identity is um, when we're at a, a party or uh, we're with some people we don't know and we begin to ask questions like, one of the worst questions you can ask a pastor on an airplane when you're sitting next to him is, what do you do? And everybody I've ever sat next to, when they ask me that question, and I've tried to come up with different answers, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm, I work in the nonprofit world. Because um, when, I, when I answer and I say I'm a pastor, 
it, it actually, sometimes I, I love that I, I answer it that way because it stops all conversation whatsoever. <laughs> it's just like done. One time I was on a golf course with, with a guy, and um, he was telling me, people say to me all the time, you don't look like a pastor, which I'm like, what does a pastor look like? And uh, I was on a golf course with a guy who was telling me that once he was playing golf with a pastor, but he didn't know it. And so he was talking about all kinds of things that he said he shouldn't talk about around pastors. And he was telling me all these things, and he was using language and all kinds of stuff. And then on hole number nine, he asked me what I did. (laughs) And I was like, it's really ironic. <laughs> but a lot of times we find our identity, we, our, we, we believe our identity is wrapped up in, in our accomplishments, what we've done, what we've achieved, our, our, our successes, our abilities, our gifts, our accumulated goods. Uh, a lot of times we, we start to believe that, that our lives are defined by what we've been able to accumulate around us, you know, and we, that stuff begins to give us some sort of identity about ourselves, um, maybe our external selves. Uh, I, I remember in, in high school, one of the questions we asked one another was, how much can you bench? And some of you don't know what that means, but some of you really do know what that means. Like, how much can you lift, you know? Like, that was the deal, like our external selves, how we look. Um, what's interesting, uh, over time, we try to fix how we look because some of our identities wrapped up in how we look. And we, we gotta be careful about it finding our identity in these things, our relationships even, and, and, and the places that we are or that we've been. There, there's all these different pieces of life that are clamoring and, and working, and I think the enemy is using to try to capture us into believing that that is who we are. And what happens is when our identity begins to be wrapped up in these things, eventually these things will fade and they'll start to to go away and we begin to wonder, who am I? If I don't have this anymore, if I've lost my job, if all of this stuff I've accumulated, if it begins to rust or I begin to realize that the new boat that I bought last year, which brought me a lot of joy and happiness, that boat now is old and I've just got to buy another one. And I don't want to just keep buying boats because that's too many boats and boats are expensive. Amen? Anyone? Boats? Yeah. So... Um, what we find is that over time, these things that we think give us our identity, they begin to, to fade. And we're left wrestling with, who am I? And what makes me who I am? Um, Paul, in, in, in chapter 3, if you spend a little bit of time reading chapter 3 of this letter, he begins to express his achievements in religion. And he begins to say, like, if anybody has room to to have pride, it's me. I've done all these things. And then he comes to this statement, and I, I think this is awesome. He says, everything is worthless when compared with the with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. He's saying, All these other things begin to lose their place of significance in my life. You know, I it's interesting, all these things are still a part of our lives, but what he's saying is, it's not these things any longer that give me significance. It's knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord that, that now 
creates a foundation for me and gives me some identity. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. And what's interesting about this phrase is in Scripture, he uses really strong language when he says counting it as garbage. Um, he maybe uses some inappropriate Greek language. It's all Greek to me, but uh, <laughs> uses some, some language there. He says, I just count it all as garbage. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. Why? Because what, what I gain with Christ in becoming one with him. He's talking about identity here. And I think identity is something every single one of us has to wrestle with. Who am I in this world? All of us are trying to figure that out, aren't we? I mean, just be honest. Aren't we trying to figure that out? Like, who am I and where's my place in this world? And Paul is like pointing us back to saying, we can, we can have security not in all these other things that are fading and falling apart. We can actually have security when our faith is firmly planted in Jesus Christ. Um, Robin and I, Robin, you know, she's, she's a musician. She loves music. We listen to music all the time. And one of our favorite artists re-released an album this last week. Um, this was back from our college days. And I just pulled up a song yesterday and we were listening to it. She was trying to remember singing it. She was singing it. I wasn't singing it because I'm a terrible singer. But um, there's a, there was a line in there that I just thought was so applicable to what we're talking about. And he says this. Cademan's Call was the artist, if you remember Cademan's Call. He says, this world has nothing for me, and this world has everything. Isn't that an interesting line? All that I could want and nothing that I need. And that's what Paul is saying it's like this world has so much to offer us, like everything. There's so much here that is clamoring for our attention and trying to get us to, to place our faith or our identity in these things, but none of it's what I need. And so what Paul, he transitions then and he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. And this was something in the Old Testament that that. Uh, Jews, the, the law was how they earned their right status with God. So that's what righteousness was like, being okay with God. And so he says, I'm not, I'm not counting on my own righteousness to, to give me this right standing with God, um, but I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And this is where faith enters the picture. And like I said, this is so basic to, to Christianity and to what many of us have heard for years. But, but stay with me. Don't, don't fall off. Here's what I believe faith is. And I think this is what Paul's trying to say is that faith is trusting God for what we cannot earn or achieve on our own. That's what faith is. It's trusting God for those things that we can't do on our own. And here's, I asked you this, the beginning of, of the, the letter I ask you to wrestle with this. Is God's grace and in his, is his peace, is it personal for you? Do you believe that God's grace and his peace is personal for you? Like that, that is God's gift to you and it's, it's been handed in a personal way to you. Faith is what personalizes God's grace. It's like that conduit that gets God's grace and peace into our lives. And if God is not a personal God for you, then maybe it's faith that's missing. It's the missing component. Maybe we've been trying too hard 
to figure it out or earn our way back to God. Faith is this conscious decision. It's interesting to me when people talk about blind faith because faith in Christianity is not blind faith. It's a conscious decision to trust God for what we haven't been able to do on our own, and that's to find peace. Look, here's the deal. Every single one of us at some point in our lives come to this place where there is a lack of peace and we're wondering, is there more to life than this? And faith is that place when we rest and we receive God's peace that we can't figure out on our own, that we can't earn on our own, that we can't find on our own. That's, that's what faith is, and it's, it's this personal thing. It's a conscious decision. And then Paul says, I'm going to focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I'm going to press on. I'm not going to live in the past, whether that be good or bad. I'm going to press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Um, let me ask you this. Just use your hands like to maybe describe. How big is your, um, is your windshield in your car? How big is it? Just like, yeah, a couple of you are actually participating today. <laughs> it's, it's like your windshield is pretty big. It's like bigger than your arms can stretch. It's like out there, right? How big is your rearview mirror? Show me how big your rearview mirror is. Now, would you ever teach your children or grandchildren their primary attention, would you ever teach them, when you're teaching them to drive, that their primary attention should be on their rearview mirror? Would you teach them that's how you drive? Some of you are like, is this a trick question? <laughs> when they're in reverse, maybe? No, there's a reason our windshield is this big and the rearview mirror is this big. And it's what Paul is saying. I'm not going to live in my past, whether that be past success or past regrets. I'm going to live pressing into the future. What's a, what, what lies ahead of me, what God is calling me towards in the future. Does that make sense? And I think many of us are held back by living in the rearview mirror. Our focus and our attention is on what's behind us. Remember the good old days? Remember the good old days when we could, and that, a lot of us, that's what keeps us from living our best life now, is that we're living in then. And Paul says, no, I'm going to forget what's behind me, and I'm going to press on for what's ahead of me. And then he goes on, and he says, there are many in this world whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They claim one thing, but their conduct shows something very different. Like in the last chapter, he talked about attitude, the spirit we bring to something where our minds are, and then he transitions a little bit to a conduct, like our conduct reflects what we really believe on the inside. And he says, there's many whose conduct shows their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about life on this earth, but we are citizens of heaven. He comes back to this thought again. We are citizens of heaven. Um, yesterday, there were many of us in this room who gathered to celebrate the life of um, a, a faithful follower of Christ uh, who's been a part of our church for years and years. And one of the things that just stuck out to me, uh, many people afterwards would, came up and they were like, man, what a service, hearing all those great stories. And I'm like, that's what it means to live with faith. As you leave a legacy, you live as a citizen of heaven, which makes a celebration of life 
really different. Uh, and, and Ed, um, he had this joy about him because of where his faith was firmly planted. It's just very different when you have funerals and celebration of life services of someone who has a strong faith and lives by it. Their behavior reflects that than someone who doesn't. And um, so I would say to all of you, hey, give us good material to work with. When, when, <laughs> when that day comes, let's have the good material that we can work with. That's a terrible thing to say. I didn't mean to say that out loud. I'm sorry. But it is, it's different when our identity is placed in the eternal. And that's true. When our faith is not in what we can achieve because every single one of us, every single one of us is going to wrestle with mortality. Our bodies are wasting away. We can only do so much to keep it all together. And so where, where are we placing our identity? Now I want to talk about this idea of, of citizens of heaven one more time. And here's where I told you I was going to get to a really practical thing for today, right? Did I, I told you that. Are you with me? Do you remember when I said that? Some of you are still waiting. You're like, is when? Like now? Here it is. I was reading, um, N.T. Wright is a scholar that I, I read, um, especially when I'm reading through the New Testament. I think N.T. Wright is brilliant. And he talks about this in the letter to the Philippian church in a way that I think is really powerful. He talks about the citizenship of heaven. And he says this, the task of Roman citizen, a citizen in a place like Philippi. So remember, Philippi was a city that, that Rome took over in, in northern Greece. And the goal, as they placed Roman citizens there, the goal was to bring Roman culture and rule to northern Greece, to expand Roman influence there. Now, does that make sense? So if you were to take over an area, you had to place people there in order to bring your influence and the culture that you wanted to create there. You had to bring it there. Does it, that make sense, right? And so it's interesting that Paul's using this language of citizen of heaven. He goes on, the church is at present a colony of heaven we are, and think about, I know the, the word colony sometimes can create weird um, thoughts in our minds, but we are an outpost, so think about it as an outpost. We're an outpost of heaven. That's, that's what the church is to be. And our responsibility, and we say this in the Lord's Prayer, our responsibility is to bring the life and rule of heaven, to bring the influence and culture of heaven into the present reality that we're living. Does that, does that make sense? And just like these Roman citizens in Philippi were working to bring Rome into that present area, we, our goal is not to sit back and wait until we get to go somewhere to heaven, but rather we're an outpost whose strategic mission is to bring the culture and ways of heaven which are full of grace and peace. Remember how he started the letter, grace and peace, into the present. Like that is our role and responsibility. And if we are failing to bring God's peace and his grace into our community as a church, we're missing it. We're missing it. That's our role. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your 
will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's not just something we're asking God to magically do. We're actually participating in that by the way that we live, by the way our faith is made known in the public sphere. So he goes on. Here's where it gets a little personal. I hear there, there's um, voting to be done or something like that this week. I told you, really practical. Here it is. Really practical. This is the greatest challenge of the letter, that the Christians in Philippi, whether or not they were themselves Roman citizens, would think out, what does it mean to give my primary allegiance not to Rome, but to heaven, not to Caesar, but to Jesus? There's the greatest challenge when he continues to talk about we are citizens of heaven. What N.T. Wright suggests is that Paul is challenging the people to realize this world is not our home. We are on the outpost. We are, we are a colony of heaven, and our allegiance is not with Rome, not with Caesar as a primary source. Caesar is not our savior. Jesus is. So my allegiance is first and foremost in heaven with Jesus, but I'm not sitting back waiting for the day when I can go to heaven. I'm actually participating in bringing heaven to earth. It's a very different thing. And I think the gravitational pull over time, I told you, was to be, you know, to use behavior as our, look, over time, the gravitational pull is to sit back and just say, the world's going to wherever the world's going. I'm going to heaven when I die, and I'll be fine. But the reality is, Scripture teaches us we are to be about the business of heaven in the present reality. And that's what Jesus gave us a picture of. Now, this is hard stuff. I get it. I realize, and it is for me too, because I have my ideals, I have my perspectives, and what I think of how this world could be better. We all do, every single one of us. But we have to realize that we cannot believe and we cannot put our hope in the things of this world or the powers of this world, but rather our allegiances with Jesus. Mm. That's, it's tough to, to wrestle with that. Um, one of the things that, that, that Paul writes, and, and I, I think this is a good prayer for us and a, and a good desire. He says, I want to know Christ, and I want to know, I, I want to know and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know that. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want other people just to talk about it. I don't want to read about it in Scripture. I want to know personally the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you want that? Do you want to know Christ and you want to know the power that raised him? And, and God says it's available to us. And so I've been giving you some questions for reflection um, over the last few weeks, and I'm going to give, give us some today, and I'm going to walk through them. Um, but for some, the, the first thing that, that I think is of primary importance, and I don't want to miss this moment, of primary importance is where, where is your identity wound up? Like, what are you trusting in? What are you trusting in to give you value and worth? And I'm telling you, I, you know, the best, the place that can bring you the most peace, 
where you can experience the most grace is if you'll, if you'll put your faith, if you'll put your trust firmly in Jesus. I, I believe that to be true with all that I am. That everything, like this world has everything to offer you and it has everything to offer me. But at the end of the day, all of those things are going to fade away. They're gonna fade away. At the end, I mean, my dad used to tell me this, my mom used to tell me this, Matt, you can't take anything with you. It all goes back in the box. John Orberg wrote a book, I think it's titled, It All Goes Back in the Box. It's kind of a depressing book to read. because <laughs> It's like a game, the game of life. At the end, it all goes back in the box. And I asked you this at the beginning, um, is God's grace and peace personal to you? And I just, we would miss an opportunity if I wouldn't invite you to, to place your faith firmly in Jesus. That as you're reading this scripture, as you're reading through Philippians, that you would take the opportunity to say, you know what, I've been wrapped up in some other things, I've given too much attention, um, I, I, need to, I need to trust God. And so I wanna invite you to do that today, to trust God for who, for who you are, for your, for your security, to, to put your faith, consciously make a decision to put your faith firmly in him, to not get wrapped up in all the things that come and go in life. I, I want to invite you to, to know him personally. Like, like Paul said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power. It's available to you. That's, that's the good news, is that no one is excluded from this. Everyone, everyone can participate. And here's a prayer for you, um, if, if you've wrestled with what, what you believe about God. I, I just think if this would become your prayer, God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. If you would pray that every single day, if you're not sure what you believe, I think if you pray that and, and you honestly pay attention to what's going on around, I think God will make himself real to you. I believe God will make himself real to you. So that's a great prayer. If you're not sure if, if you're someone who says, Matt, yeah, I've, I realize I've been placing my faith in all these other things. How do I place my faith in God? Well, it's, it's in the posture of your life. It's in the posture of your life. It's in saying, God, I don't have it in myself, but I'm going to trust that you have it for me. And it's just, it's just being humble before God. God, I'm going to accept what you have for me as you welcome me into your family. And that's what God does. He welcomes us all into his family. I, I love that. So here, here are the, the questions, four, four groups of questions. Number one, do I believe God is full of grace and peace for me, and have I placed my faith in him? I, I think it's, it's something that every single one of us needs to wrestle with. What work has God begun in my life, and am I cooperating with him? Am I, am I going along with him, or am I fighting him in that? Here's one from the scripture today. This one is specifically from today. Is there anything in my past, whether it's good or painful, that's holding me back from the full life that God has for me? Am, am I in that rearview mirror too much? And am I willing to just to set that aside today, to move beyond that? And then this last line of, of, of questions, in what ways am I living as, as a citizen of heaven and what does my conduct reflect? Does it reflect my citizenship is in heaven, my king is Jesus, like my allegiance is with him alone? 
And, and if, if not, like what needs to change? How does, how does my life need to change to come in alignment with what God would have me to be on this outpost of heaven? Does that, does that make sense? Just good, some good questions to wrestle with this week. Um, would, you, would you stand with me? And as you reflect on those things, on those questions, there, there might be one that jumps out. We're going to sing one last song. Um, and as we sing, I want to give you some space to respond. We're going to sing this song called Christ is My Firm Foundation. I love this song. Um, and as we sing this, there's some candles in the back corners of the room. And maybe um, for you, maybe lighting that candle would be an exercise in saying, God, I'm placing my faith in you, the light of the world. Like as you light that candle, just receiving his grace personally for you. There's communion in the back ring of the room, and maybe you just want to take communion and be reminded of the sacrifice of of Christ, his death, and his resurrection, which gives us all life. There's a prayer wall in the back, and maybe you just need to write a prayer. just want to give you some space to reflect and respond. Would um, Would you pray with me? Father God, you are good. And uh, Christ came to, to bring us some good news. And, and the good news is simply that we can, we can have a firm foundation. We can have security in you. And in a world that just ties up our identity and our attention in so many different ways, God, I pray that each one of us would place our faith firmly in what Christ has done. That we would, we would step into your family, not because of our own actions or achievements or accomplishments or abilities, but we would step into your family based on on the work of Jesus Christ. God, we as a church, we are citizens of heaven. We're, We're here to bring your ways and your will into this world. God, help us know how to do that. Help us know how to be a people of peace and grace and love and joy. Give us that gift that the the spirit that is the same power that raised Christ Jesus. I pray that we would experience that in the days of our lives. God, thank you so much for for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.